Hello, I'm Donald Trigg. I'm the president of Cerner Corporation. And for the last four decades, Cerner and North Kansas City Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri have been both neighbors and partners at the intersection of healthcare and IT. And I'm privileged to be here today with Dr. Stephen Righteous, uh, not just a neurosurgeon by training, but also the current president and chief executive officer of North Kansas City Hospital. And it's exciting for me to have a chance to talk with Steve today and to share uh, our story uh, with listeners uh, because Steve and I have been collaborating uh, not only around uh, traditional healthcare and IT, but also around vaccine administration. We're excited to share the story around Operation Safe with you today. So Dr. Righteous, welcome. Well, thank you, Don. Uh, it's great being here and I appreciate the invitation to join in on a discussion on Operation Safe. Uh, it's fantastic, and, and I'm excited to jump into it. Before we get to the work that we've been doing around uh, uh, Vax Admin and what we think are some of the lessons around it, let's just spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, North Kansas City Hospital and maybe giving listeners a chance to, to know a little bit more about uh, the health system. Well, um, you could wish us happy anniversary. We just celebrated our 63rd anniversary at North Kansas City Hospital. And it has a very interesting history. The hospital started with a two-day chili supper fundraiser where the people in this community had bake sales and chili cook-offs to raise the initial funds to build a hospital in their community. Soon after that, private donations and public funding came. And in 1958, on March 30th, an 80-bed hospital opened. Over the last six decades, that hospital has grown to 451 beds represented by 46 different specialties and over 500 physicians in 25 different clinics that are spread throughout the Northland. That's very interesting. And um, talk to me just for a second about the community uh, that you help service, um, because that's an interesting dimension of, of uh, how you think about not just mission, but also margin. So North Kansas City Hospital geographically is on the north side of Kansas City. Now, if you can think back to the days of Lewis and Clark in 1803, they traveled down the Missouri River and right at the bend of the river, Kansas City was born. North Kansas City Hospital is on the north side of the river and over the last hundred years, a very vibrant but regionally proud community has formed. Part of that pride in the community is North Kansas City Hospital. There is really a, a distinction, a geographic and a community pride to be in the Northland of Kansas City. Yeah, that's it's neat. And it's, so it's part of the origin story, but it's also part of the ongoing profile of the institution itself. Um, and I, you know, Steve, I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but Let's do just spend a few minutes talking about your background and um, how you got into medicine and how you then ultimately ended up as president and CEO of North Kansas City. It's a windy path. I started my career uh, at Georgetown University with my freshman year deciding that I wanted to major in accounting. And it was actually my favorite course in college, but I was reflecting on what I wanted to spend my life doing. And, I couldn't come to a decision. So I did what many college students do. I majored in philosophy. Having completed a degree in philosophy, I couldn't still figure out what I 
wanted to do. So I applied to uh, medical school and I got in and I went to my dad, who's a businessman here. And I, my dad said, why don't you try it out for a couple of years? So I, I came back home. I went to medical school at the University of Kansas and trained in neurosurgery uh, at the University of Kansas and, and finished that training. And I took a weekend off and started a solo practice in neurosurgery at North Kansas City Hospital. That was in 1989. It'd be interesting to hear from you, Don, what was Cerner like in 1989? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. 1989, the company was uh, you know, three years just past its uh, initial public offering. Uh, it was a small, uh, predominantly uh, laboratory information systems uh, 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 company, but also starting to think about other uh, departmental uh, solutions around radiology and pharmacy. And uh, as you know, but I'll share with listeners, uh, our location uh, next to North Kansas City Hospital is an outgrowth of the fact that you are our first Kansas City-based client for laboratory information systems. So, Well, our, our heritage goes back a long way, a common path. I have heard from the historians on our campus that the founders of Cerner actually started their incubator was in an office in one of our medical buildings across the street. That's fantastic. So that's fantastic. Uh, our paths go back a long way. So, so take us forward. I mean, we'll talk later about, I actually think the, the experiences around Washington are really interesting. One of the things you and I have talked about is the growth of the role of government, both as top regulator and now top payer. We have Medicaid expansion playing out in the state of Missouri. But obviously for you, importantly, this aging of your commercial population into Medicare. So I think you know, your background and understanding of that intersection of politics and policy and what it means for the operations of the hospital, I think are, are, is super interesting and valuable uh, to North Kansas City. But how did you make the decision to become president and CEO of North Kansas City? Well, the decision was fairly easy. I had spent 30 years really loving the practice of neurosurgery at North Kansas City Hospital. And there were really uh, three events that occurred that allowed me to make the transition. Uh, throughout my 30 years, I was very involved in healthcare policy issues around the state of Missouri and, and civic uh, uh, community-based efforts uh, here in Kansas City. So I had that sense of community. The second event was two and a half years ago, my son joined me in practice. Uh, when he was born 35 years ago, uh, I gave him my name and I never would have guessed 35 years ago that he would have gone to med school and chosen neurosurgery as a career. He joined me two years ago and after seeing him operate, I just thought it was time for dad to go find another job. Uh, and the third event was uh, really a very talented CEO who had guided North Kansas City Hospital for a very long time, announced her retirement. And uh, based on my love of the community, uh, some awareness of the competitive landscape and the healthcare policy background, uh, I put my name in uh, to become CEO and luckily the board chose me. Well, it's interesting, and it's it's a really good segue into a, a, a thing I, I think we want to unpack and talk a little bit about. But if we think about 
dynamics before COVID, we think about what's playing out during COVID, and now we begin to think about and imagine what does this after COVID post-pandemic landscape look like? It really was a, a time of dynamic change in, in healthcare pre-COVID, including for community hospitals and health systems like North Kansas City. And so you are certainly grappling with a set of changes on the front end of this pandemic. And just give us a sense for, as you came in as CEO, what were those things that were really top of mind for you in terms of the business of healthcare? Well, I, I think the number one challenge that we faced was how we were going to deliver healthcare. We can't, no matter what the environmental conditions are, we still have to deliver care to a community. And one of the most dramatic and radical changes that occurred in a 60-day window is the adoption of telehealth. And I can't quote the exact numbers, but in February of 2020, I believe that there were 12,000 telehealth visits that were billed to Medicare, something in that range. It was in the low thousands. And by the end of April, 60 days later, it was in the millions. So the, the deployment of a new platform to interact with patients, that was revolutionary. The second challenge was the, the rationing of care. And, and I wanna talk about that very specifically. I, my last day in the operating room was March 21st. And that was my last day it was a little bit earlier than I had anticipated because it was under federal guidance that elective surgery be stopped. And the American College of Surgeons developed a tier, tier system, a three-tiered system on who gets surgery and who didn't. If you can recall, we were seeing shortages of beds and equipment and people on the East Coast. So there was this nationwide uh, slowdown on elective surgery. That experience where doctors would, would decide what could be operated on and what couldn't and to deploy that across the country based on people's judgment and, and common sense, that was also remarkable. And that was so uh, uniformly accepted, uh, was very surprising to me. And the third big challenge was the defense of the workforce. In April and in May, we had to outfit our workforce with PPE. One month before, that nobody knew what PPE stood for, and now it's a common part of our lexicon. Well, here was the challenge. Not only did we have to give everyone gowns and masks and gloves and shields, but we had to find them, and there was international shortages of that PPE, and as a result, the prices went up. You can't, you couldn't even find certain levels of masks I have been wearing a mask as a surgeon for 35 years of my life and did not know until April of last year that there was a level one mask, a level two mask, a level three mask, or a, a thing called an N95. And I certainly didn't know how much they cost, but uh, it, was a, it was a very sudden education for me. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you're hitting on a couple of big topics there. One is, um, you know, really beginning to think about physical and digital um, strategies around how we organize and deliver care uh, at a level of scale that hadn't been contemplated before COVID. 
Um, secondly, I think um, a real recognition, you talked about the community and the support that they've had for North Kansas City over the last uh, six plus decades, but this real recognition of uh, that workforce and the criticality of your workforce. And I'm sure your background as a clinician was has been a huge asset to you as you've looked to have those conversations with physicians and providers. The third thing is, you know, uh, for myself, having spent a decade in, in Washington, if we think about the transportation sector post 9-11, this is really healthcare providers as critical infrastructure in a way that I think um, was a dimension of how society thought about um, hospitals and health systems uh, pre-COVID, but I think really reinforced by the events of the last several quarters. It was a very challenging time. And hospitals uh, are very expensive operations. And when you overnight or within a couple of days say you can no longer do these things that create revenue for you, it becomes a sudden stop. At the same time, we have to think down the road, we have a disease coming at us that we don't know about. We don't really know how to treat it effectively. And it's going to come in such massive waves that we may not have the personnel to provide it. So all the regular revenue that keeps the doors open and the lights on at a hospital is gone. And now you're having a very sick population coming your way. Some hospitals decided that they would uh, reduce their workforce when the elective surgery uh, numbers went down. North Kansas City, we are very protective of our workforce and we did not lay off any employees. We both wanted to take care of our workforce because we knew at some point Either we were going to return to normal or the COVID uh, wave would come to us and we would need all hands on deck. And that was a, a very uh, wise decision, I think, that our team made. And hindsight's 2020, um, but talk to us now about moving into uh, the summer of last year. And now you're thinking about things like elective surgery recovery and what it looks like to try to put the, uh, uh, the organization on solid uh, clinical operational and financial footing. Um, talk to us about the strategies that you use to try to think through um, elective surgery recovery and getting back to, I'll call it normal operations. And, and in particular, were there certain people process or technology strategies that you use that proved particularly effective? Well, it was a, a big challenge. It, it was not only a fearful time for healthcare providers, but it was a fearful time for the patients. Uh, if you look at the statistics in April and May of last year, stroke and heart attack admissions to hospitals dropped off significantly. Do we think that people stopped having strokes and heart attacks? And the answer is no, but we didn't know where, uh, where they went. So one thing that we deployed in the summertime was a digital campaign to go out into our community and say to them, it's safe to come back to the hospital. We did not want people suffering at home. We kept our doors open. No matter throughout the pandemic, no matter how busy we were, no matter how many ICU patients we had, we always kept the doors to our ER open to serve the community. But one of the greatest challenges that the hospitals in Kansas City faced is communicating to their communities that it was safe to come and get care.
Mm -hmm. And this is, um, I think this is one of the great pieces of learning uh, from what's played out relative to the pandemic, which is the critical role of trusted local voices in communicating information about health and care and what that does or doesn't do to drive engagement around critical strategies. And that can be everything from uh, how we think about masks uh, to how we think about vaccine, ad vaccine administration to, you know, frankly, how we think about um, health and care strategies post-pandemic. And I think uh, hospitals really found their voice and, and, and you certainly were a big part of that. We, we started a communication program, not only with the community at large, but we started our internal communications. We talked uh, within our own four walls by having town halls where, where I would speak or trusted clinicians would speak about the current conditions. We, we would give daily updates in real time with real numbers about our COVID population. So everyone could be aware. We made frequent rounds uh, with our healthcare workers to reassure them. I, I have an amazing anecdotal story. We converted one 14-bed ICU to our COVID unit where the sickest of the COVID patients were taken care of and with the outcomes that everybody would see on the television. I would make rounds there among these young ICU nurses just to see how they're doing as kind of emotional support. We provided the PPE for our people from April until December when vaccines showed up. And I cannot report any one of our healthcare providers coming down with COVID as a result of care that they provided at the bedside in that ICU. So communicating the effectiveness of the healthcare policies that were coming out of Washington was a very important part of our job in making that communication clear to the uh, community that we serve, uh, it was also very important. Yeah, I think that's really smart. You know, uh, how do you win the inside to win the outside? I mean, th those, those uh, providers are a voice for you and an extension of North Kansas City in the community. And, uh, and so uh, uh, those strategies really matter. You, you sort of took us up through December and, and now the arrival of, uh, of the vaccine under emergency youth authorization. And um, let's talk about Operation Safe. Let's, let's pivot to that topic because I, I, I want to share that story with, with listeners. And so um, it, it's a really interesting, I think, uh, public-private collaboration. But I'd ask you to just start by telling me how North Kansas City thought about that topic and the decision to get engaged and to make it a real focal point for uh, the organization over the last what now is almost 120, 150 days. So I have to tell you that when the vaccines were uh, approved under the EUA, our doctors came to me as CEO and asked for me to consider doing a public vaccination. And I said, no, and I'm being completely honest. The first vaccinations became available to healthcare workers. And I saw the, we, we had this trial run. We have around 5,000 uh, physicians, nurses, and staff that we needed to vaccinate. About 60% of them agreed to get vaccinated. And we saw the work that it took to stand up a vaccination clinic within the four walls of the hospital. It was a tremendous amount of work. And 
this, the basic numbers, if just roughly 5,000 people to vaccinate, 3,000 actually consented. In the months of November and December, we were having about 45 of our employees come down with COVID per week. That's 45 people, 45 healthcare workers be out for a minimum of 10 days because of COVID. It was a tremendous drain at the time that we needed them the most. We vaccinated in December into early January and our COVID absenteeism went down virtually to zero. So at the end of January, the state of Missouri decided on a plan where they would uh, establish 16 high throughput centers. We called it the sweet 16. The governor decided on, and the Department of Health decided on six locations scattered around the state of Missouri and they we're gonna deploy most of their available allotment of vaccines to these 16 centers. I was still hesitant, but the Clay County Health Department, the county that we live and work in. And hesitant for all the same reasons that you just articulated. Cost, um, interruption. I have a hospital to run. Absolutely. I have absolutely. sick people to take care of. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think we had the bandwidth, mm -hmm. but Operation Safe was uh, conceived of by the Clay County Health Department uh, one other local hospital, Liberty Hospital, joined in. And I thought about it in, in really two ways. You know, you have the kind of philosophical, is it the right thing to do? Yeah, that, that's, that's correct. Uh, that's the easy answer. But the, the tough answer is, what is, provides healthcare to the community? Our, the fourth pillar of our mission statement is to serve the community and to serve it to the best of our ability. Our mission statement is to bring hope and healing to every life we touch. The only way for us to achieve our mission is to go outside our four walls. Now, the most fortuitous thing is that we found a partner right across the street that has been truly remarkable. But Operation Safe was stood up by the primary efforts of uh, North Kansas City Hospital, Liberty Hospital, Clay County Health, and the Cerner Corporation. Now, once you have that foundational commitment to the community, then you have to say, how are we going to do this? Now, I want to slow walk the time frame. Mm -hmm. On the 28th of January, the governor announced his Sweet 16 and the delivery of the vaccines to the Sweet 16 was going to occur four days later. And on four days notice, the principals of Operation Safe had to stand up a mass vaccination center and be able to administer 4,500 vaccines on four days notice. Now you think, well, how are you gonna find 4,500 people? How are you gonna report those, those vaccinations to the state government? How are you gonna report that to the federal government? How are you gonna assure quality of care HIPAA protection, uh, and have to monitor. This is a two-stage vaccination. So you have to monitor them and you have to uh, notify them one week before the second vaccination. So the actual mechanics is we needed a place. And in our teams went around with the teams from Liberty and we looked all through the county and we found a place. It happens to be the building that we're sitting in now. It's the Cerner building. Thank God uh, the Cerner campus is uh, working remotely for the most part. They have a wonderful facility. 
So we have a facility that can serve the needs of the community in a, in a more than competent way. Then you have to ask the question, how do we get people to sign up? The health department, a public entity had already set up a sign up uh, site and within a day or two had 45,000 people signed up. So at that point, I was not worried about getting rid of our 4,500 vaccines. Yeah, the demand issues were quickly solved. They were solved. Right. But how do you contact them? How, mm-hmm. They can sign up, but you still have to be able to contact those people and give them a time. The, additionally, you have to have a workforce, a healthcare workforce that can proficiently give vaccinations accurately, efficiently, without harm. You have to record the information. You have to give them a card. And there's this other little caveat. We had the vaccine that you had to watch people for 15 minutes. So we had to create a recovery room. Mm -hmm. So we put our IT people uh, to work, but our workforce was not like Cerner's workforce. The the Cerner people stood up a call center. They took 85 of the Cerner associates and worked through the night to develop a call center to establish the sequence. We had our chief medical officer in charge of information technology set up the cadence. We had one of our senior directors set up a volunteer corps of nurses to uh, arrange for the vaccinations. The cubicles to administer the vaccinations happened to be uh, donated by the, the Cerner office and facilities folks. We had to control traffic. We had to, to direct people off of a highway through a maze of city streets into a parking lot in a certain direction at a certain cadence to most efficiently deliver these vaccinations. And then you have to have pharmacists to draw out the vial. Now think about this, you have 4,500 vaccinations to be drawn out. There's only five doses per vial. So our whole team of pharmacists individually, each and every vaccine had to be drawn out of the vial to a precise amount. So our teams worked literally our teams, Don, yours and mine, 16 hours a day, except for your overnight crew. Thank God. I didn't know you. Cerner would have an overnight (laughs) crew, but thank God they had one. Uh, And we did it in four days. Now uh, the, the uh, bonus to the story is the, the Pfizer vaccine, which we use topped off their vials a little bit heavy and we are getting 6.6 doses per vial. So Uh, 4,900 people were administered in that first week. Which again, becomes this really interesting from a systems thinking perspective, becomes a really interesting dimension of it as I spent time in the space and watched it play out. But the quality level of your pharmacist um, creates variability relative to the number of doses per vial. And so fundamentally, as we're playing through the morning, we have to make a determination. What do we think the capacity looks like on a full day basis? And fundamentally, we have to then rapidly say, let's go reach out to another tranche of potential potential recipients uh, telephonically through email, and then fundamentally do a quick reg event uh, oh, at the facility footprint so that we can take advantage of that capacity in the afternoon. And so that the people process and technology side of that is super interesting. Well, it was it's amazing to me. And and we took the emergency response teams from Clay County Health. We took our pharmacy teams and registration teams and our nurses from the hospital, the Cerner volunteers, um, your facilities people, 
the police, fire, EMS were unbelievable to stand this up. And here's what's amazing to me. They created a very positive customer experience. Now, you, you think just setting up the technology would be tough enough or giving the accurate doses or having enough syringes or, or cubicles to administer, but everyone kept a focus on the patient experience from no wait times to a valet service for those who have mobility challenges, uh, army of wheelchairs to be wheeled in because as they looked at the tiering, those old and infirm were the first ones eligible for the vaccine. So, and this was in the dead of winter uh, and we had to administer these vaccines. So we had a valet service. We had people opening the doors, greeting people with big smiles on their faces. And somebody on the Cerner team uh, decided, let's just see how we're doing. So they gave out cards, you know, just kind of comment cards to everybody who got a vaccine. I brought two today. And these are, I, there's a big bin of cards at the end of every day. And I just stuck my hand in and pulled out two. And I'm just going to read two random cards. One says, amazingly efficient. Thank you. Very impressive every step of the way. Now, this is from a gentleman who, um, I, I, well, I won't say where he may be from, but he said, cleanliness is very well taken. The procedures are very well written. This is a man who probably does not, did not grow up with English as his primary language. He said, the staff is very friendly and it's very well organized. I think that's really, really a, a great compliment, not to Don or I, but to the teams that did all this great work. Well, I'll just say for myself, you know, the chance for, obviously, Steve, you were providing the preponderance of the clinical resources, but the opportunity for non-clinical volunteer activity and to have our Cerner associates and our UP leaders have an opportunity to have this level of exposure to um, a really interesting healthcare use case that is formative for then how they think about tackling their day-to-day -day responsibilities at Cerner. I don't know what the value of that is, but separate and apart from the community impact, it will make all of them better in the daily tasks that we're asking them to take on. And I think that's that's one of the huge benefits we got from being involved. Well, I, I would tell you, we could not have done it without the very significant uh, contribution of uh, technology and people and, and space uh, that Cerner has provided. I, I, It was in 31 years of medicine, I think it was the most uplifting event, the most uplifting effort that I have ever seen. From the perspective of the care provider, for 10 or 11 months, we had seen nothing but disease and death. And to a point of frustration, because there was no clearly convincing effective treatment it, the, the effective treatment is whether your own immunology and physiology was enough to withstand the viral load. But this gave the healthcare workers a chance to fight that back. People were moved in this experience. And I'm not talking about the patients. I'm talking about the healthcare workers. Absolutely. We had people, our absenteeism at the hospital was disarmingly high because everybody wanted to come to the mass vaccination center because it was so uplifting. 
That's very cool. It's very cool. And, and you know, Cerner has a, a, a history of, I call it entrepreneurial advocacy. How do we, how do we uh, tackle problems and showcase what healthcare and technology, when that comes together in the right way, the impact it can have. And uh, early in the life cycle of the pandemic, we got involved with um, trying to help uh, historically black colleges and universities think through their diagnostic testing strategy for return to campus in the mm -hmm. fall. And um, it was amazingly motivational, not just for me, but for Cerner Associates. And uh, interestingly, as you and I talked about, some of the early uh, challenges around testing, you can see then manifesting themselves uh, as we've got into vaccine administration. Certainly the technologies and systems issues are very similar. But uh, uh, these chances to really demonstrate how healthcare should work mm -hmm. um, is, uh, you know, hopefully will be a catalyst for some systems level rethinking and, and certainly how federal and state think, uh, stakeholders think about um, and define what needs to happen in healthcare. I, I think the pandemic and the vaccination, mass vaccination clinic, in terms of the systems thinking is kind of a dress rehearsal for how um, different partners will come together to serve a community. I have never worked on a clinical level with Cerner. I've never worked with the Clay County Health Department, uh, a little bit with Liberty Hospital, but the central focus was the mission and the mission was to serve the community. Now, this was a disease specific uh, event. It wasn't a multi-disease event. But for the healthcare worker, we knew that not only were we treating the potential for a viral infection, but we were keeping people out of the hospital, off a ventilator. Uh, it, it was, it was a, allowed us to go from playing defense to playing offense. And what was so inspirational is that our partners in coalition, Operation Safe, our coalition partners, of Cerner, Liberty Hospital, and Clay County Health were so driven by the mission. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I wanna go to just one last section here, if I could, Steve, and, and talk a little bit about if we can just, with some faint hope, start to think about uh, what post-pandemic uh, US healthcare looks like. Uh, I just wanna talk about a couple of things that I've heard you surface contextual for uh, the pandemic that seem to be really fundamental to how you're thinking about the five-year uh, go-forward journey for North Kansas City. Uh, I hear you talk a lot about partnership, including thinking about non-traditional partnerships as part of how you think about um, a business and business model strategies. Uh, I hear you talk about um, purpose-driven organizations as a dimension of how you create alignment around what you're trying to achieve. And then I also know from our discussions data uh, and how you think about data-driven uh, uh, strategies and approaches. I, I, those are big pieces mm -hmm. of what you think you've, you've taken away from, from COVID. But I, before we get to the how, I, I want you to just spend a minute, talk a little bit about where North Kansas City Hospital uh, is going the next five years as you really think beyond the hospital mm -hmm. uh, and what it looks like to fulfill your community mission um, and to survive and thrive um, from a business perspective. Uh, as a not-for-profit hospital? So we are not-for-profit and we are uh, so committed to our community in the Northland. 
we are actually in the midst of the pandemic conducting a strategic planning process where we are thinking five years down the road. And the pandemic has given me that opportunity to think about how we partner in the delivery of care and then actually who we care for. So many times during the pandemic, people will come up and, and will say, well, we have to go take care of the firefighters. We have to go take care of the teachers or we have to go take care of Platte County. And so we, we went from taking, thinking about the patient as being an individual human being to being a group. And we went from being reactive in caring from a disease like a heart attack or a stroke to how do we prevent disease? So I think North Kansas City Hospital, as we look down the road, we need to think about preventing disease, preventing that acute care experience, and we have to push out into our community in the delivery of care. I also, Don, know we can't do it alone. We couldn't do Operation Safe alone. We can't do it without data. We need to understand what our population is. We need to understand what their healthcare needs will be. And then we have to juxtapose our uh, treatments to prevent the occurrence of disease, not react to the occurrence of disease. Yep. It, and one of the things that seems like a thread in the discussion is, um, you know, you, I know you care a ton about your um, workforce and, and the people that uh, uh, you employ. Um, there's a big change management piece to what you're talking about. And, and it is, Traditional provider supplied healthcare, are they, are they ready to think differently? Has COVID caused a inflection point which allows you to, to think differently and beyond the four walls of the institution? I think that our uh, leadership team is beginning to think about that. The, the whole competitive landscape has changed. You know, we're in a society now where care is delivered to you rather than you coming for care. Your groceries are delivered to the, your house. Your, your whatever that comes in those cardboard boxes every three days at my house are delivered to the house. There are now models where healthcare is delivered to the house. So we have asked our admin team to think about that delivery model where we deliver to the, to the patient. I think that for the physicians and the nurses, it's gonna be more of an education. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that will be a transition of care. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And the, and the other piece that was part of your narrative around COVID, this, um, how we think about patient engagement, how we think about engagement in all its forms, whether that's uh, as a patient, as a member of a health plan, uh, as a caregiver for others, uh, and increasingly in your use case, as a consumer uh, with real opinions around uh, how care gets delivered and from whom. The, the Operation Safe experience has been so important to educate me because it has been such an overwhelmingly positive experience from the patient's perspective that we now have to think about that consumer uh, achievement all the time. Just as recently as the last week, I have said to our teams, we do not want wait times for any test in our hospital to be more than one or two days. That's a real adjustment. It is a real adjustment. Now it is a painful uh, adjustment, right. but it's something because we know 
that if we can't deliver care on the time schedule of the patient, they will go to somewhere else because there are so many options, urgent care, drug stores, uh, even some big box stores I hear are getting into the healthcare yeah, business. Yeah. So either we deliver care on their terms or they will choose somewhere else. Yeah, no, I think it's an important point. Um, give us just uh, uh, maybe one last question before we land here, Steve. Just tell me what tell me what North Kansas City looks like in 2025. What's defined? You know, you're talking to a civic group. You're talking to your board. Give me a vivid description of future state for North Kansas City. What do you What do you look like as an organization, and and how are you defining uh, your mission five years from now? I think that. In five years, North Kansas City Hospital is going to be a health delivery organization. And what I mean by that is we will have the continuum of care from preventative care, if we have certain populations that need that focus, to the continuum of care from uh, the first days of life in our CICU or the last days of life in our hospice that's in our, within our four walls and everything in between. But we will push out the services to the, to the patient, whether that is lab services or physical therapy services, but also with technology like telehealth, our range will be greater. Uh -huh. So our range will not be uh, within the Clay and Platte County area. But, yeah, this 15 mile radius will broaden. Broaden out, uh -huh. will broaden out significantly. Absolutely. And the only way that we're able to do that is if we can define and deliver the quality metrics that we're being held to. I think that there will be, with the new ability to compute and collect data, there will be a real separation between quality institutions and those that don't hit the quality metrics. Yeah, and, and it'll be a prerequisite for payment. Absolutely. Right? And so that's, that's another key dimension of it. Um, th this was fantastic. I, I'm gonna just end with a couple of, of data points, which this, the, the team gave me. Um, 4,000 doses per day, 300 clinical and non-clinical volunteers on a daily basis. As of April 6th, Operation Safe has administered 69,000 doses Correct. over 24 clinical days with another 29,000 doses uh, planned over the next 10 clinic days. Um, and as you said, I thought very, very nicely, 4,000 total volunteers doing a variety of different things representing more than 50,000 total hours. I mean, this is uh, for all of your trepidation when you jumped in here, this was a major undertaking uh, that had a massive community impact. And so thank you uh, for doing it. Um, I'm highly appreciative of it and Cerner is highly appreciative of it as well. And I'll, I'll just say that I am hopeful in listening to you that it not only had a near-term impact on the pandemic, but that it really is catalytic for this post-pandemic shift and mindset and strategic direction for North Kansas City, because I think where um, you're headed is where healthcare is headed. And I think from a Cerner perspective, the challenge for, for Cerner and for our associates is how well can we support mm -hmm. your ambitions beyond the four walls of the hospital 
and the community reach and patient-centric and person-centric focus that you're describing. So I think that uh, I think our partnership has been 40 years in the making, and uh, I, as far as I can see down the road, I expect it to be the same. Uh, Steve, I'm very appreciative. I'll say for listeners, uh, for more on Operation Safe in Kansas City, Missouri, please feel free to reach out uh, uh, to www.operation-safe.com uh, if you'd like to learn more. Um, Steve, it's certainly been fun for me to have a chance to talk to you about it. Um, it's been a great partnership for the last four decades, and I'm as excited to see where we can take things in the next four years. Thank you very much.